1: Welcome to episode number 99 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me. I have Adam Candy. I have Dustin Galker. It is free to follow them on Twitter and you should do so. At Adam Candy, that is two E's, no Y. At Dustin Galker. And if you really, really want to clog up your feed with some nonsense, you can follow me. At Matt Brown M 2 Of course, we're on all the places that you consume your podcast. So please go in, subscribe, rate, and review over at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. And Google, we're going to talk about New York. We are going to talk about Maryland. There's some big happenings in Arizona. And with that big happening, we get a follow-up press release about some big things going on there in uh, Arizona as well. DraftKings is making a hire. Are they making another move? We'll talk about that. There's another acquisition by Bally's. They cannot quit spending money. And, of course, we'll get the state updates with Adam as well. Guys, before we kick things off here, episode number 99 of the pod here, we will be coming upon episode number 100 next week. Dustin, I'm going to put the pressure on you to come through with a massive, massive guest for episode number 100. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe President Biden, maybe, you know, if you want to reach out to Obama, something, I don't know, but like uh, the pressure's on you. We have, you have one week,
2: The fans seem to like it when you're gone. Maybe that maybe that's the treat. Uh, I will leave for
1: episode 100. There it is. Uh, You have it here. You heard it here first, folks. You don't have to worry about me (laughs) being on episode 100. Uh, Adam, I'm sure um, I'm sure you filled in admirably with that uh, just beautiful voice of yours. And that is the reason why I'm no longer needed.
0: So you say you're sure I filled in admirably so you didn't listen to last week's <laughs> podcast. Got it. I'll take the message out of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um I was in Mexico, and so, you know. Don't they have you know, podcasts in Mexico? Mexico? Come on. They you know, have podcasts in Mexico. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like
0: 99% sure that those get through customs.
1: Cell service and downloading things, it costs all this money. You know, it's just there's, there's lots of reasons why I didn't. All right, so let's kick things off here, guys. Listen, we always talk about New York on the podcast. We have to talk about New York, and we have to continue talking about New York so long as there are happenings going on. So let's kick off, as we always do here, What's some New York news?
0: Well, it wouldn't be a week without New York. Would it, Matt? Would it, Dustin? Of course not. Uh, New York is pretty much where we left them last week, which is not the worst thing in the world, considering what they did with the week prior. Uh, The budget language has passed. New York state budget has been approved. So essentially, the Cuomo version-ish, of sports betting that made it through with the two licenses and the minimum of four platform providers, whatever that ultimately means. We still don't really know, uh, made its way through, uh, it, it will now be on the New York gaming commission to put together the rules and regulations, the bid process for who's going to ultimately get those licenses in New York, uh, The really just all of the iterations of who might be, able to offer sports betting in New York because we still don't really know. And our Matthew Waters talked with Joe Adabo, one of the senators at the heart of the discussion late last week and said to him, well, can you help explain what this is, platform providers and licensees and, and you know, what, what it actually is? And he said, well, I'm still kind of coming to grips with it myself. OK, So if the man at the heart of things is not 100% sure yet, then it's hard for us to be 100% sure as to what it looks like. What we know is the next milestone that we have on the calendar is that they have to offer the bids by July 1st. That is, uh, you know, they have to open the process by July 1st. And whenever they do open it, there will be 30 days from that time for companies to put their bids in.
1: Dustin, working in as long as we have in, you know, online poker and DFS and whatever, like we thought we had a pretty good idea of what a what a platform is. But now with this, you know, trying to figure out what and what an actual platform is and and how they are going to define platform seems to be really the, the 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 big thing in all of this that everybody is talking about, because that is ultimately going to decide like how this is all run.
2: Yeah. And I'm sorry for those tuning in just for clarity on what's going on in New York since the last <laughs> podcast, because, yeah, we've got I've got nothing and it may not come for a while, but there's a lot of a lot of things to be done in the regulations in terms uh, in terms of figuring out what this law actually means and, and putting it into Reality, but yeah, this the whole platform thing is the one that you know, at least in the industry, is is a buzz. Like how that is determined, whether a tech platform, whether a platform provider is an actual platform where all the tech lives, and it's either an all in one or a, a series of people working together, of companies working together to provide a platform, and then. You know somebody you know over uh, brands are on top of that platform this is you know the way we read it again that's what the what's the way it should work if you're you know going by the industry standard if it's just licensees and sub licensees then we have something totally different but you know we read language we don't know that's you know but uh, you know, the, the, we're we're still trying to spitball what is going to happen in New York. A Good piece by Brad Allen, uh, kind of breaking down who's in a good position or a bad position in New York in terms of getting in. Again, a lot of the usual suspects that we talk on this podcast and, you, and, and names that you know are are in the lead. You know, DraftKings, Vandals certainly have a decent position. They they were uh, applauding the law uh, last week or the law that's coming, uh, pl- applauding Governor Cuomo for what they've done. At least DraftKings was, uh, and so, so they they. They have an inside uh, track on to, to getting uh, one of these licenses and being live in New York. And if uh, you know if you if you, th- you think you're one of the big dogs, you you probably think you, you're going to have a compelling case when you get to this pr- pr- proposal process. So but yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot more reporting on New York. There's so much still to come. And uh, it'll be interesting to follow exactly how this all shakes out.
1: Yeah, Adam, I mean, we don't really know what's been going on behind the scenes because we're not there. But when you look at DraftKings and FanDuel, if we do date this back a few years, we know that they were working hand in hand with all the lawmakers on the DFS stuff and that they were basically in the room trying to get things passed with these with these various lawmakers and sitting in with them and explaining to them all the different things and why this was a good thing and why that. So at least I I can understand their optimism with at least the fact that they at one point, granted, a few years ago, did have the ear of all of these lawmakers there as things were getting transformed and basically saving an entire industry and saving their companies along the way as well. Well, what will
0: be interesting to see, Matt, is what is the worth of all those lobbying dollars that have Mm -hmm. been spent at this point? Because it's out of the hands of the lawmakers now, right? This goes over to the state gaming commission and essentially what you're relying on, Is that those lawmakers hold some sway with the state gaming commission Mm -hmm. the same way they do uh, over what law ultimately gets passed. Now, I think what you have to look at is that let's say that you have been lobbying someone for six years going back to DFS and look at the bill that you ultimately got. Like you got right. a bill that really didn't represent your interests all that well, right? Like so uh, you know, that's not to say that anyone has not done their job. It's just that when the governor holds the bully pulpit, he ends up being the one in power to make the decisions. And ultimately this sports betting proposal ended up looking a lot more like his. That being said, there is nothing wrong with having a foot in the door uh, when it comes to getting this thing you know, off the ground. But again, we still don't know what the uh, what the definitions look like. And I think the interesting quote came from one of the uh, sources that Brad Allen talked to, said the people who are in this room putting this together don't understand sports betting, but more importantly, said they don't understand the digital economy.
1: Mm -hmm. Dustin, uh, to put a bow on this, I mean, look, you've been following this as close as anybody since the beginning of everything. And then when I say this, I'm not talking about New York in specific. I'm talking about just, you know, the the process of getting bills uh, written, probably getting bills, you know, voted on, getting bills passed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where does this New York where does this rank? I mean, I'm assuming it's not the nutlow low because there are like single provider out there that we, you know, we've talked about. So it's probably not the nut low, but it's got to be pretty far down there in your power rankings
2: it's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So the only thing they could have done worse is actually create a monopoly system. I think that's if there had been a pure monopoly in New York, then we'd be talking the, the absolute nut low. At least we're not going to get that, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I don't, you know, I've gotten, we've both gotten this, Adam and I have both gotten the sentiment from other folks. Like this is, this was mashed up legislation from two different plans that mashed up at the last second. And the outcome was a mess of policy. Like there's, there's no, I don't think there's any disputing that. And you know, you can read, you can read the, you can read it and see, like, we basically took Cuomo's idea over here, the the legislative idea here in the middle, (laughs) it was, and it became, and it was, it was not a messy, it was not a pretty site when they did all of that. So yeah, it's, you know, hopefully, you know, we're hopeful, I guess, that there's that they, 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 there's so much wiggle room here in regulations in terms of figuring out how to do this. I think that we're hopeful that, you know, the New York State Gaming Commission can figure this out, make it, uh you know, maybe not as bad as we are are fearing right now. But, yeah, it's you know, it's it's not good at all.
0: I think the other piece that we have to keep in mind is that we're talking about this as a straightforward process. OK, well, the rules and regulations we put together, there'll be a bid process. Here we go. uh. What we haven't talked about is the fact that we still could be looking at legal challenges to this law, uh, whether it's from tribal nations who feel like their exclusivity is being violated by the way this was put together. Uh, We saw a statement come out from the Senate, uh, pardon me, from the Oneida Nation, uh, making very clear that they feel like they uh, were done wrong in this process. So that could still end up leading to a legal challenge. And the casinos who have been left to play landlord for servers at the profit cost of five million dollars a year, so the <laughs> profit opportunity of five million dollars a year, might say, hey, you know what? We would like the chance to make more than five million dollars a year and don't feel like we were done right in this process either. So we want to believe this will launch by the Super Bowl because that is the target date for the state of New York. But New York being New York and the market opportunity being what it is, I don't think anyone's letting it go down without a fight if they feel like their interests still have a chance of being represented.
1: As they say, there will be lawyers. There will. There will be lawyers. Um, Dustin, let's let's go to some more a little bit better news here. Uh, Let's talk about Maryland, because, hey, this is something that everyone can be happy about.
2: Yeah, man, wasn't I wasn't this podcast last week? I was taking a victory lap on the number I hung on number of states that were (laughs) legalizing here we sit a week late, less than a week <laughs> later, and my number is going to get blown up. We've basically <laughs> we're basically adding two states to uh, the the legal online sports betting market. Number one among those, Maryland. Uh, basically, yeah, uh, we're just waiting on a governor's signature there uh, for all for all intents and purposes. Uh, quickly passed uh, a bill that's op- creating a fairly open uh, no, not even a fairly open a very open market with a lot of licenses 60 licenses class a and class b everybody who wants to be in maryland is going to be in maryland i think it's pretty clear uh you know reasonable tax rate you know the whole thing looks pretty good but yeah we're looking at at maryland as yeah the next one that's opening up uh, it, you know, pretty uh, again everything. I'm not I'm not gonna say this is a perfect policy, but it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's creating an open competitive market, which at the end of the day, is what you know is is basically the best both for revenue for operators for the end consumer. So we're gonna applaud that from that standpoint. And and yeah, again, we're we're basically just a step away from having legal online sports betting in Maryland. Uh, you know, launch. We're really, who knows exactly what time frame that will be, but we do have. You know, uh, we're we're basically there for Maryland. So you you can pop champagne if you're in Maryland and, and want to and excited about betting on on sports.
1: Yeah. If we're sitting here in April, I assume everybody is at least going to throw that Super Bowl date out there. If not, you know, if not sooner than that. So I imagine that will always be the date that kind of gets floated. Yeah. They said, we're I mean, about they said NFL launch.
2: kickoff uh, yeah. again. Who knows the, I mean, the rubber meets the road there. We've seen everything from months to years to get to go from a mm-hmm. law to, to regulation. We'll see.
1: Uh, Adam, we also have some interesting stuff. I mean, this was I'll admit this was uh, this was rapid as well. uh, Coming out of Arizona.
0: Uh, Yes, my former home state has passed a sports betting law. That is the news. And what happened with this was we went to hurry up and wait and wait and wait and go. That's exactly what it was. Like we thought this legislation was moving straight along the line. And then what happened was it hit a committee on the Senate side in which it had an amendment made to it that put a historical horse racing bill. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on historical horse racing, but just you're betting on horse races that already happened. Godspeed. Uh, But this was put into the bill and essentially it was a poison pill. Uh, It's something that slowed the bill down, got stuck in committee for about a month. uh, And then there were some behind the scenes conversations to, help uh, decouple those two bills and the sports betting bill, freed of the HHR bill, was able to move forward and it's on its way to Governor Doug Ducey, likely to be signed within the week. Interesting for me because this is the first state that I think we see a real serious compromise with gaming tribes in the state that has made it all the way to passage, right? This is sort of Mm -hmm. different than what we talked about in New York, where the Oneida feel like they've been cut out. It's different than Connecticut because we have an agreement in Connecticut. We just don't have laws passed yet uh, to move it forward. But in Arizona, 20 licenses, 10 will be available to the gaming tribes. And there is a huge Native American presence in the state of Arizona. The other 10 available to the professional sports teams. So we could see deals like those that uh, happened already with the Washington football team and FanDuel earlier on. It is one of the first truly hybrid markets we've seen in the United States. And I think that's going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch in part because there haven't been a lot of tribal nations throughout the country who have wanted mobile sports betting. Uh, They have been clear about the fact that they've wanted it to be retail, but they're going to have the option to offer both. And so we will see how that ultimately plays out, uh, you know, to kind of jump ahead a little bit here to the item that we saw come out today. DraftKings has made uh, an announcement that it has market access via its deal with the PGA tour and Uh, through TPC Scottsdale because they're going to try to open what is essentially a sportsbook on the course of TPC Scottsdale during the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. That also will be available at other times of year, but it's built around the uh, uh, built around that tournament. And what's kind of crazy about it is that I asked DraftKings and said, hey, who holds the actual license in this case? They said, you know what? We're still waiting for this to be worked out like the law has passed, but Arizona doesn't even have a tax rate yet, right? Mm -hmm. The tax rate is something that's going to be worked out by gaming regulators, and we're still going to have to figure out exactly who holds the license in Arizona, but DraftKings will be there when it happens.
1: And I think uh, having the PGA Tour, Dustin, as a partner in this is a pretty powerful thing, especially in Arizona, when you consider, I mean, it's basically like the the golf haven of the country, you know, outside of uh, Florida, at least on the west half of the country. I mean, I was... Connecting whenever I was going through last week, I connected in Phoenix. I counted 17 golf courses on my, on my descent <laughs> in like uh, from the plane. I mean, it's, it, it's having, uh, having the, the PGA behind you with this as well seems pretty pretty huge i mean they already made that announcement as as adam just said that they're going to be the official betting partner of the waste management of course the waste management if you are unfamiliar is the same weekend as the super bowl so hey you get to market all of your stuff like leading into the super bowl which is that sunday so a pretty good tournament to be the official betting partner of as well so um a pretty interesting kind of position i think here for DraftKings.
2: yeah and, you know i think even bigger picture is these league deals that's just, this that that's a deal that manifested itself in a way that w- that you couldn't have maybe forecast a while mm-hmm. back, right? That this we like, saw the PGA Tour getting involved with lobbying, but we didn't really know like a year or two ago that the PGA Tour would be lobbying for actual sports betting license or the venues that were, were where PGA Tour's events are. So that's the fascinating part: is these deals could be leveraged, and we're seeing this in more and more states where the leagues and the teams and the venues are getting cut in, or they're lobbying for this act to have this ability to be. The, the the holders of a license you know it's that's the way it's been running in in texas uh, they've been very involved so you want yeah you, you almost have to have maybe want to, want to have one of these deals in your back pocket so you can you might have an easier path to access down the road because it's not always just casinos we're ticking off you know arizona was a place where there's just tribal casinos not the commercial casino interest so they those you know those, the companies that have traditionally been able to tie land-based gaming to the sports betting, not not necessarily involved in a way they are. So that's the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Other bigger picture thing I see, going back to Adam and talking about the tribes. I mean, maybe a little speculative, but you know, you look at this as a as a model that other states where there's tribal gaming uh, can move this forward. You know, we have Michigan casinos, and and, and that was hit a little differently too. But look at California and you know you basically they made other concessions to tribes to let them expand their gaming and then that let sports betting happen more widely tribes still involved have other other uh, entities obviously involved in Arizona but is is that a path forward for Arizona, for California too i don't know i mean it's much more complicated in california with card rooms and horse racing and everything else but you know you you, you can see like here's a way if you want to get tribes involved like let them expand what they're doing And that's a way that Arizona got this across the finish line, not just trying to ram sports betting uh, down what down down their throats like here Mm -hmm. you get something else. And then we have an open sports betting market too.
1: Adam real quick to put a bow on this. I mean, listen, so we see this DraftKings, you know, immediately coming out talking about their partnership with the PGA. We know that the PGA has been super open to sports betting stuff, but I think what we're starting to see here and, and Dustin kind of alluded to it as well is the leagues now as far as instead of just straight up like okay give us money and give us a piece of the give whatever i think they are starting to understand the value of just having sports betting and having it available for the interest of their sport for the interest of their future television deals which again that's where they're making the real money anyway on all of this stuff is these multi-billion dollar television deals and stuff so it does feel at least a little bit like the leagues are starting to understand that like okay It's not necessarily getting money directly from the sports bet itself. We do now start to understand what we've been preaching since the beginning of all this is that you are going to get the value regardless.
0: What ultimately greased those skids, Matt, was official league data. Uh, They went and these leagues lobbied for an integrity fee from the beginning, right? Uh, Go ahead and try to rebrand the royalty. I'll still be here to remind you it was the integrity fee. And they tried to get this direct cut of sports betting revenue, and they struck out. The first year they went across the country, they went 0 for 7 in uh, trying to get it in. They ultimately went up to about an 0 for 17 in trying to get anybody to include it in a bill. And when all was said and done, they realized no one was gonna just give them a cut of the money. Uh, What they did was they rebranded as official league data. They came back the second year and said, well, in order for you to have the best data to grade wagers, you need to give us a cut of the money that way. Once they were comfortable with that and that became something that took hold across the country, then I think they were willing to move on to these other ways of maximizing their partnerships. Right. They secured the one way that they knew that they had to be able to get their cut. But now they've been more willing to look at this as, okay, where can we partner? Where can we find other synergies? Again, be careful what you wish for because Mm -hmm. you come with a lot of questions as to the integrity of not only your league, but your franchises. I mean, you talked about the fact that the Super Bowl – uh, is going to be the same weekend, of course, as the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We're looking only a couple of years ahead for that to be in Arizona, right? It's going to be in Glendale, just a few miles away from TPC Scottsdale. And when we dealt with Arizona first getting its legislation into the cycle this year, we got a lot of questions from people that said, wait, the Cardinals are going to have a sports betting license. That's ridiculous. Like that. Where's the integrity in that? Now, we know it's not actually the Cardinals doing this, you know, the operation of sports betting. It's whatever book they partner with. But perception is a powerful thing here. And so as they get deeper into these partnerships, whether it's through TV deals or anything else, it is something that is going to have to get serious consideration as to being very, very careful with optics.
1: So, Dustin, we talk about the press release that came through this morning about DraftKings and the Waste Management and the PGA Tour and things like that. We got a this wasn't a press release, but this was a story that was released uh, through Axios about DraftKings and a, a hire that they made that came along with a bunch of speculation towards their future plans.
2: Yeah, top level. Uh, you DraftKings is a chief media officer, a former uh, senior vice president actually coming over from Verizon. Uh, I mean, this is obviously fascinating news that, uh, you know, exec level C-suite uh, person getting a job just mm-hmm. to deal with media uh, DraftKings, this is not media relations. This is, you know, creating media con- content in the news and just content in general. So that's how serious DraftKings is taking this. We already talked about uh, in in past podcasts, the, the deal with VSEN to, you know, take over that and be the, you know, DraftKings is taking over that and then you know the speculation here is that they're they're not done on the acquisition front uh the action network uh you know uh, somebody who's been very aggressive about pursuing the sports betting market in the us uh you know trying to become a uh, one of the the main sources of, of information about sports betting and DraftKings looking at purchasing that as well Uh would be interesting you know they're just they're you know they're trying to cut away some of the customer funnel just go you know go be the media yourself. DraftKings has been doing this for a long time. They've been creating content on their own site, uh, deal with Vox or DK Nation, lots going on. They've, they've long seen this, this writing on the wall of like, well, let's let's just be, why, why just depend on other people to write about us when we can just create the content ourselves? And this is, a, uh, I think, a, 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 a hot tip to that, that they should be, they're going to continue doing that, continue growing and continue pursuing that as a, as a major part of their strategy uh, in acquiring customers around the country.
1: Yeah, Adam, this was uh, it was pretty interesting, I think, just from an aspect of you and I knowing how vast of a company Action Network is, how many employees they have and how big of uh, an acquisition this might be with the rumored number around 100 million for VEASAN. Um, you start to kind of wonder what it would cost to get to get Action Network. And then you start to realize, like, what type of investment and what how serious DraftKings is about this whole media side of things, because, I mean, they're already 100 million in and, you know, you have to assume Action Network would be a multiple of that
0: it would be a multiple just on what the multiples look like in this industry right now yeah. right i mean multiples in this industry are you know going off a trampoline uh, they're way more on projection than they are on actual revenue so yeah um you know our brad allen talked to one source who said 50 50s uh, maybe the look at a deal like action network it's a rumor that we've heard for a long time um you know, above and beyond that i think consider also that this new chief media officer for DraftKings came from Verizon. We know Verizon uh, has worked closely with the NFL. We know DraftKings uh, is working closely with the NFL. So you would think that there are some natural le- uh, relationships to be leveraged in that space as well. So yeah, you talk about the multiples and there's a reason that DraftKings not only did a stock issue uh, you know, within the past 12 months, but just went out there and offered debt Uh, as well to be purchased up because they are going out there and trying to gobble up uh, everything that they can. It's not just them. FanDuel is trying to do uh, Mm -hmm. a similar thing. They purchased, uh, you know, their interest in sports grid and, um, you know, trying to do the same thing as well. It's a lot easier to make your own content than it is to try to convince somebody else to run it.
1: Yeah, no. And and we talked about the we'll talk about Bally's a little bit later, but we talked about the Bally's strategy as well, going with the media and stuff. So it seems like this is uh, something a lot of these companies have decided is going to be the long term strategy for them in all of this. Adam, let's talk about Maine and North Carolina, shall we?
0: Well, let's always talk about Maine. (laughs) It's a beautiful state. Um, We've seen legislative action in Maine that actually surprised me a little bit. Uh, Another bill has been put forward in Maine for legalizing sports betting. Uh, Same principles involved last year from the legislative side, but remember that this was one of the stranger sports betting episodes of the legal era, where at the very end of 2019, legislators in Maine passed a bill for mobile sports betting, uh, very low license fees, very industry-friendly bill, uh, there was a quirk in the law that allowed the Governor of Maine to essentially put the bill in her pocket, carry it forward months until uh, the legislature came back in, not do anything about it. Uh, she ultimately decided to veto the bill and it came with some bizarre reasoning around the fact of us you know the idea of a slippery slope. Well, now what what if we had betting on spelling bees and county elections and You know, all of the things that we all know here that gaming regulators would never give the first cent of uh, of attention to. So now we see that after she lobbied against overriding the veto, which it looked like was going to happen, still the same governor. But here comes legislation again in Maine. So it'll be interesting to watch to see if there's any better chance of it getting through this year, because it seems like the same roadblocks are in place. Now, in North Carolina, roughly a month after we saw the tribal sports books that had been approved for nearly two years finally open up uh, for retail at at the uh, Cherokee property for Harrah's, Now we also see that a bill to modernize the industry has been put in uh, legal sports betting on a mobile basis throughout North Carolina. Again, just a bill that's been introduced, hasn't really gone anywhere as yet. But one sort of old new state for us to look at and one sort of new old state for us to look at.
1: Dustin, we talk numbers here on this uh, on this here podcast. So let's talk some numbers from Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and then we can kind of speculate on what these numbers might look like in the future. Now that we're going to put the toothpaste back in the tube,
2: it, I mean it's kind of nice and sym- symmetrical that we have all the I states to go over. I'll start with <laughs> I. I'll start with Iowa. We don't talk about Iowa a ton, but uh, they had a record amount of of handle in March. Uh, maybe not shocking. They just opened up from in person registration, so that market is you know still really very new in terms of. You know, its age, you know, if it's really only three months into mobile registration where you can register anywhere in the state. So uh, good to see that. And then really kind of hammers home the idea that remote that remote registration way better than in-person registration, because now now the throttle is, is, is off for uh, what's going on in Iowa. So good numbers there. Indiana, uh, we got their March numbers as well. Uh, it was not a record, but uh, we saw an uptick from February to March in Indiana. Three hundred sixteen million dollars in handle. Uh, again, this is this is bucking a trend. You know, February, I think we made this uh, pretty clear in past but a podcast for February, but February fewer days, fewer NFL games. We're going to see uh, even even in markets that are still maturing, we are going to see a pullback February to March. But we didn't see that, obviously, as, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, all of the NCAA tournament games played in Indiana, uh, college basketball, crazy states. And this is maybe not shocking at all that this happened in Indiana. We actually saw a little a little growth uh, into March uh, there, So other one, Illinois, we just got their February numbers. Uh, they actually rose to the become the third biggest market for uh, uh, sports betting in February. 509 million, just a little bit ahead of Pennsylvania. First time they've done that uh, again, a pull, um, a pullback from February to January from February as compared to January. But again, a natural one, I think. Uh, and again, uh, we'll, we'll beat this one over the over your head still. You get tired of it. But in-person registration is back on in Illinois. Uh, moving forward we're going to start seeing that show up and, and probably will result in a, a, a drawback of growth there so uh, interesting numbers uh we're, we're you know uh, we're going to be seeing we're going to see a slowdown here obviously april here through the start of nfl season these are slower months for sports betting even though we have nba and nhl mm-hmm. but these are these are kind of the the dog days we're going to see live betting increase and that might help things but And I think the sense here is these months uh, in the middle here are going to be kind of slower as uh, just like they are. They've always been historically in Nevada.
1: Yeah. And we look at uh, when we look at the Illinois numbers, I mean, are we what do we what do we think as far as we understand it's going to naturally slow? I mean, we're in the dog days. We're kind of like we've gotten to the NBA fatigue point in the season where people kind of tune out until the playoffs get a little bit closer. And, you know, baseball is a really long season, so it's 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 not one of those huge spikes or anything like we see with some of these other sports. So, yeah, I mean, the numbers are definitely going to to go down, but the way that we've continued to talk about the way that you increase an industry and the way that you grow an industry is is to make things easier on people and to make things easier for them to to sign up for accounts and to bet and things like that. Well, we know now that, you know, with them having to go back into the casino here and do that in person to sign up and, and bet. I mean, are we we're, we're going to get a fall off anyway, but are we expecting like just a I mean, this could,
2: this could fall off a cliff, right? I mean, you're just not going to see growth. I don't think yeah. right? you're going to see you're, 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 the numbers are not going to keep going up. You've basically have mm-hmm. the customers you already acquired and that's it. Right. Like, you're you're not, playing you're, with like, what you already have
1: and like, you're, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: And maybe you increase engagement with those folks. You ha- you're going to have them in, uh, you know, you can reactivate them for NFL season, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, it's not end of days, but you know, uh, you know, other markets are going to continue to grow because they have access to signing people up from wherever you don't, you know, the number of people who are going to a casino in Illinois to sign up for a betting account is is not a high number that's mm. not good you know you're and you're you're obviously not anywhere near having maximized the illinois market at this point with only really several months of of this going on and you know they're going to try to activate people get them into the casinos around chicago or in wherever else but uh, yeah we're not it's gonna you know the the the, the numbers are going to be where they are they're going to we're going to see it's just not going to grow vis, vis-, 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 vis- we're going to see growth in other markets we're going to see Illinois not really grow as much. They're going to grow just because they have new customers, right. but it's the 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 seal the the floor, which is it, ceiling or floor. The ceiling is lower <laughs> right, right now yeah. uh, because because you don't have you're just not acquiring new customers in any kind of great numbers.
1: And, and Adam, not again, not to just continue and, and beat a dead horse here, but when you look at this thing with with Illinois, like. With the where we are in the sports calendar as well, right? So since the NBA season is still a ways away from the playoffs, but it also is in the kind of the, the, the downswing, we have Major League Baseball, which has already started. And again, 162 games. Not really a ton going on here. We don't have marquee boxing matches anymore. We don't have so like getting a person to physically get up off of their couch and get in their car and go sign up for an account until NFL season rolls around where, yeah, all the games are played on Sunday. So maybe someone will make a special trip on a Friday or Saturday to go and sign up for an account and, and whatnot. But like there aren't really a lot of other reasons on the sports calendar for people to go And sign up between now and September.
0: No, there aren't. The question, I think, for us becomes the people who were the most enthusiastic about wanting to bet on sports have signed up for accounts. They've probably signed up Mm -hmm. for multiple accounts. They've probably gotten multiple bonuses. They are in. It's going to be a matter of retaining Mm -hmm. them, as you mentioned earlier. So I think what you end up seeing here is that. As assuming vaccinations continue to allow governors to open things up, I think you missed the opportunity to get some of the casuals who might be going out to Wrigley Field for a game who might be showing up at a Chicago Bulls potential playoff game. Right. You missed the chance to activate some more recreational customers. I think the people who really cared and really wanted in had months to get in. And Mm -hmm. so those people are in and probably staying in because they don't have to do anything else. Right. They have their mobile account. Nothing changes for them. I think what you end up missing is you miss a chance to bring in some new customers. And as we've talked about uh, last week, even though you didn't listen, was that a company like BetMGM, which was in the pipeline to get its application approved? That's the real loser here. Is a company yeah. that was still trying to get into the market and still trying to get itself going. Now, I mean, the lock is back on the door. And you're not going to see a change in this, right? Like, this is not something barring a major, major shift in the wrong direction for the pandemic that's going to change again. Because for anybody to make a change at this point would essentially be a a point where we have to admit the political stuff that led to this happening in the first place. place. And no one's going to admit that, right? The one excuse that we had was COVID. And it's a good excuse because it was a real thing to have to say people should not be traveling to the casinos. But it allowed Governor Pritzker to work around the ridiculous uh, part that had been put into the law, requiring in-person registration with the nanny-nanny boo-boo to DraftKings and FanDuel. Mm -hmm. So now that that's been, you know, sort of... uh, tubed back in as you said with the yeah. toothpaste you know now at this point i think everybody's just got to sit and wait
1: dustin we've uh we've talked about the, a lot of spending sprees here in uh inside this industry and here we have bally's coming in yet again and spending more i mean i, I would love to have this bank account the that, that bally's has right now i mean it is like it seems to be never-ending we get the news. Uh, I think it was Monday that they have gone in and made a purchase that will get them in the Las Vegas market. Now I say the Las Vegas market because they were already owned a casino in in North Nevada. But as we know, you with the in person registration requirements that are in Nevada, you're not getting anybody that lives in Las Vegas. It's the biggest city. It's where all the sports betters live and things like that. And so they they now it seems are going to get themselves in the Las Vegas market.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. The words just kind of fail me now for the things that Bally's (laughs) buys. Like, it's just, it's literally a segment now, right? It's like, what did Bally's buy this week? (laughs) What did Bally's buy this week? (laughs) And we're not even, and yeah, I mean, Bally's wants to sponsor us, I guess, on top of that to talk about all the stuff they do. We're going to talk about (laughs) it anyway. Uh, But, that's a joke. not you're not going to sponsor us, but <laughs> there, there's, but, you're, but we really are talking about them every week. Buying something, uh, buying Tropicana from uh, a real estate arm. Uh, basically, this is a called Gaming and Leisure Properties. This has been a real estate arm of Penn National. Actually, Penn National operated the Chop uh, in Vegas, uh, and you now b- basically cutting ties now entirely with with that. So, uh, three hundred eight million dollars to buy the Chop in in Vegas, and. Yeah. I mean, their appetite for buying things absolutely knows no bounds at this point. It's yeah, you get, you know, get, get yourself into Vegas, you know, you know, you can obviously probably uh, get deploy a sports betting brand there. I'd I'd assume that's part of what they want to do. And yeah, just, you know, continuing to dominate the world. Uh, Some of the yeah, at some point, I mean, I mean, land based obviously makes a ton of sense, too, in terms of this is, you know, a a property that probably I mean, you guys know more living there than I do. But, um, you know, probably underutilized in terms of the the Vegas market. Mm -hmm. There's things that could be done with that, uh, you know, outside of the sports betting realm, for sure.
1: Yeah, Adam, I mean, I guess the other real news for people that live in in Vegas is this will be the first introduction of an actually a brand new brand of sports betting in quite some time now there's rumors resorts world has gone with igt and maybe that's new to a lot of people that don't know that they already run the boyd app so and because boyd's not incredibly popular amongst the the locals here or whatever but i mean with the with the bet works back end um with this it'll be kind of the first new entry in in quite some time for for las vegas betters
0: Once there's an actual product, Uh, which, you know, the one thing that we (laughs) have to keep mentioning when it comes to BallyBets is that there is no BallyBets like like there eventually there will be. And, you know, it's coming. But, uh, you know, there's that. And of course, uh, as we've talked about, the former Hard Rock, the Virgin uh, property opens, Betfred will be there, just not yet. Uh, essentially mm-hmm. you've got a, a counter and signs that say, come check us out later uh, <laughs> at Betfred in Las Vegas right now. So they're very nice uh, signs that they are very nice signs. Are. But, they're you know, nice as signs. Dustin mentioned, it's an underutilized corner in that mm-hmm. MGM owns the other three corners, right? right? Like MGM has basically created that monopoly. You've had this property that's been sitting there sort of as a stepchild for quite a long time uh, at the Trop. I mean, the Trop was best known over the last couple of years as the place you used to be able to park for free to go to T-Mobile Arena or MGM Grand Garden. No, they ended that right. uh so now you go next door to the hooters but anyway <laughs> um you know when it comes to maximizing that property i think the other thing that they're going to have to think about is branding just because you have bally's which is owned by the caesar's corporation right and then right. you will have bally owning tropicana so uh I, I i'm interested to see how they ultimately work that out
1: yeah it will that will certainly uh be interesting but again i as a as a Nevada sports better, as a Las Vegas specific sports better, the thought I understand it's down the line, but the thought of actually having a, a shiny new toy is, is actually pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Keep in
0: mind, it's a secondhand toy. No matter what you get, it's a secondhand toy, just I like uh, just like many other sports books that are in I Nevada, know. have the Nevada version of their uh, app, which I looks know. like the communist China version. <laughs> yeah, is. yeah, there'll be is. something
1: I know. All right, Adam, take us home with all the other state updates. No,
0: I'm going to yell more about Nevada. Um, So Connecticut, uh, we continue to see movement there in Connecticut, as we know we have the agreement between Governor Ned Lamont and the two gaming tribes, Mashantucka Pequot and the Mohegan. Uh, Essentially, what you have now is you need some enabling legislation to go through the legislature. That's taking its steps that is largely expected to be. I don't want to say formality because nothing in Connecticut has been formality over the course of years trying to get things done. But this is by far the farthest down the line that we've been in terms of having Connecticut sports betting. Keep an eye on that in particular, because where do a lot of folks who work in New York City live? They live in Connecticut. So as we look at what kind of product New York ultimately puts out, A lot of New York City workers live in Connecticut. A lot of them live in New Jersey. There is real pressure for the New York product slash products to be really good because there are going to be people who could choose to bet on other legal platforms if they want to do that. Uh, Elsewhere, I mean, look, there are always rumblings around the big states, but the rumblings are getting a little bit louder in Florida to the point where I guess we probably have to pay a bit more attention to the discussions that have been going on uh, between Governor DeSantis and the uh, the Seminole tribe down in Florida, as it certainly sounds like there could be progress toward allowing Uh, sports betting to be part of a larger agreement between the tribe and the state. Uh, Stay tuned. This is basically what I would say about that one, because as we've seen with Illinois, as we've seen with New York, as we've seen with California, it takes a lot less to derail something than it does to get it through. So we will keep an eye on what's going on there. Uh, Tennessee, we continue to see uh, there still is a bill in place in Tennessee that is being debated uh, to limit the ability to place a payday loan and bet at a payday loan center uh, in the same place. Uh, This bill has been pushed back a couple of times, but it is still in process. And along those lines, uh, it appears the situation between the Tennessee Lottery and Action 24-7 might have run its course at this point because the Tennessee Lottery screwed up the process for trying to discipline uh action twenty four seven and earlier this week essentially said no, the judge said no, you can't go back and redo the process. you screwed up the process uh now it'll be just a question of figuring out if there's any more that uh can happen here with action. I don't think there will be
1: that is uh isn't that quite a shame? That is going to be that is that is not good for anyone in this situation. For sure, guys, as always, if you want to take in the written form of everything that we talk about here on the podcast, head legal sports report.com take in all the great work that Adam and his team over there are doing. And again, we are on all the places that you listen to your podcast. So go in, subscribe, rate and review. We really do appreciate that. Help us climb those charts and help more people find this here podcast if you want to follow adam and dustin on the Twitter machine at adam candy to ease no y at dustin galker at matt brown m2 if you hate yourself for adam or dustin i'm matt talk to you guys next week